You say that very quietly, yes. like it's a secret. I'm very mellow. It's very secret. No, no, you're not. Energy, energy, <laughs> keep it there. I'm Alicia, and I'm Lauren, and thank you for joining us once, once again, again on the couch, uh, on Alicia's green couch, and I'm stroking with my hand. It's a, yes, you are. <laughs> we have a very exciting episode for you today. We're going to be talking about something. Um, that is near and dear to both of our we hearts. Sure are. Before so we get fun. to it, so fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Before we get to it, we've got a couple of announcements Announcement because we time. always have announcements. We do. Actually, we should just get a specific jingle for every oh, time we have an announcement. Announcement time song. And we'll be like, we have an announcement, and then it will be the bit that goes announcement, announcement time. time. Come on, see your friends. <laughs> we've got a very special announcement. All right, we'll it's workshop an announcement it. Announcement time. Stop it. We will <laughs> workshop it, and once we've actually got it, you'll anyway. So, announcement number Alyssa, one. Enlighten us. Patreon supporters. Yeah. There's a blooper reel. Blooper reel is done. It's live. It was a really a lot of fun to make that. Actually, I thought it was going to be tedious and horrible, but it was uh, really funny, and I think it's great. And. That's all that matters, isn't um, it? But I do think that I'm funny. <laughs> Sorry. Just putting it out there, are you, Lauren? I Just think admitting. you're funny too. Oh, thanks. I think you're funny as well. <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got less to say about myself, but that's okay. But for our Patreon supporters, please unlock. Yeah, it's yours to have. It's yours. It's, yours to it's keep. ready to, to go. And if you want to listen to the blooper reel but you're not a Patreon supporter. Well, now's the time. Now's the time to... Join. Now's the time to get on board. We're enticing you with sweet, sweet comedy. Lols. Comedy, <laughs> comedy gold. Sweet, sweet lols. I like that. <laughs> Champagne sketch comedy. So that's announcement number one. Get on board. Announcement, announcement number, number two. Competition time. Yeah. Tell us about the competition, Lauren. So the deal is jump online. Leave us a review on iTunes before what date? Before Sunday the 3rd of September. Before midnight? Midnight. Australian, Australian Central, Central Standard, Standard Time. Time. Now, for everyone who lives in other part of the world, it's your job, the responsibility, the onus is on you <laughs> to look up when that might be in your own time zone. But just so you know, it probably means do it Saturday night because Saturday night. Sorry. Saturday don't night. Saturday night. Do Saturday night. Because... Australia is ahead of most of all of the places. We're so ahead. Yeah. Only in time, not yeah. necessarily in, <laughs> in politics or, or politics. <laughs> but get on board, leave us a review. You'll go in the running to win some sweet merchandise. And that merchandise will be a T-shirt in your preferred size, not just a random T-shirt <laughs> yeah. that we send you that it's could be like one a... One T-shirt and... We, I mean, one size fits all. We so. just have the one. We 
over ordered last time we actually did our i do have a spare medium <laughs> polite so we'll be looking for someone to win who's a medium <laughs> and wants a polite version no you will win a t-shirt in whatever size and version you choose and you'll also win one of our beautiful enamel, enamel pins and they really are quite lovely they are so i'm mine to work all the time i think that's all the that's announcements all the, yeah. so this is the point at which we've also have a jingle that's like end of announcements end of announcements great so guess what we're going to be doing today i was just going to ask you where are we going place us contextually are we in history mythology literature or contemporaneity oh we're in a bit of history and a bit of contemporaneity oh so exciting because something important to start with i think is just knowing that recently both lauren and myself binge watched glow glow it was the best i'm so excited just hearing you say that word i just want to talk about it for a really long time because i have a lot of feelings about that show (laughs) so for anyone out there in the world who doesn't know uh what glow is it's gorgeous ladies of wrestling gorgeous ladies of wrestling there's only been one season so far one complete season of it's been renewed for a second but which is excellent because we're looking forward to that and it is impatiently it's based on an actual show that existed in the 80s yeah which was like women's wrestling look up which is also fantastic it's a great documentary on on netflix right now so i've been watching a lot of glow and we've really been into the lady wrestling we've come up with a lot of um wrestling personas for ourselves well i was gonna say that but you made it sound so humdrum i was gonna (laughs) say it like we we even made up our own wrestling personas I give it some gravitas. I actually feel like anyone who watched, everyone who's watched Glow has come up with a wrestling persona. Share your wrestling persona with us. Oh, please. Tweet at us what you think your wrestling persona would be. Would you like to tell everybody what your wrestling persona is? Well, originally I was going to be Serpentina and my whole shtick was going to involve snakes, but in like a above board fashion. An ethical snake. In an ethical snake fashion. Because I'm an animal activist. So like the snakes would be... They would not be exploited snakes. They'd be rescue snakes. They'd be rescue snakes. <laughs> um, but Serpentina is actually already a wrestler. Oh, no. So that fails. But Lauren, on the other hand. The grammarian. The grammarian. Which sounds like an awful trunchable style. Like That's fine, though. But I don't think that the trunchable is very sexy. Do you want to be sexy? Like, Why don't you just be like trunchable? Sexy. Sexy, no. You can be both. Like, the grammarian to me is like the sexy librarian figure. You know? Uh, The Britannica. Britannica Britannica-esque, but not. Yeah. That's a glow reference in case you're unaware. Yeah. But I I would have a bunch of witty puns. Yes. The witty puns. I'll split your infinitive. So good. And something about dangling modifiers. Dangling, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. That would just be like your your modifier. (laughs) Just be your signature move. (laughs) So a lot of grammar related puns. Yeah. Please tweet at us what your uh, Your wrestling wrestling persona would be. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about actual real wrestlers. But we're not going to be talking about 80s glow wrestlers. No, no, no. Even though they are awesome and amazing and potential future deviant women to cover. Absolutely. But if that's your thing, then you can just watch glow at the moment. True. Because that's there to fill that we void for We don't want to step you. on those toes. What we're going to talk about but today. But we want to fill in the hole for those of us who have discovered a strange deep love for ladies wrestling they didn't know they carried within themselves. <laughs> 
Um, you're and speaking, now you're speaking of you're yourself, just desperately Lauren. seeking more ladies wrestling in the world because you just you. It's a it's a new thing. It's a new yeah. passion. Yeah. But you don't know where to look. You don't know where to go. You don't know where are you going to find all out? these unexplored possibilities about. It's a whole world. This world, this universe of ladies wrestling. Well, today we can help you with that. Excellent. Because today we're going to go to Mexico, motherfuckers. Yes. We're going to the land of Lucha Libre. Lucha Libre. Hooray. And we're going to be talking about a particular luchadora. So just for those who may not be aware, just tell us what do these words mean? Okay, so. Lucha Libre. So Lucha Libre, I'm going to... I'm, gonna hope that a lot of people are already familiar with what lucha libre might be i think many people are but just in case they're not just in case they're not so it's basically a form of professional wrestling and lucha comes from the word lucha which is to fight in its infinitive form if we're gonna break things down to fight the verb lucha and libre meaning free to fight so, free. To fight free. So, I mean, basically, free, free fighting. it's freestyle wrestling. Yeah, cool. And um, luchadors are the male wrestlers and luchadoras mm-hmm. are the, the lady wrestlers. Lady wrestlers. Yes. So we're going to be talking about one luchadora in particular. If you're Mexican, if you live in Mexico, you may already know about this lady. She is an icon of Luchadora history. I'm just, I'm so excited. Like, I don't think I've been this excited. Really? I'm, I feel a tingling <laughs> in my chest. When I'm, I'm like anticipating this name that you're about to say oh. so hard. Really? Please go. Okay, because we're going to be talking about Irma Gonzalez. Yes. Tell yes. me about her. I want to learn everything. So Irma Gonzalez uh, is... Amazing. Yeah. She's great. She's one of the original luchadoras, one of the original female wrestlers in Mexico. And she's still alive today. She's still around and kicking. So I How old is okay, so I'm sure I'm assuming that you're gonna tell us this, but how old is I will, Lauren, I'm gonna get to it. (laughs) Crap. But you say it like she's still alive as though there's a possibility that this this field is so old that maybe she wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, well, is that the case? Yeah, this has been going for a long time. We're going to get ourselves into the history of lucha libre, and Excellent. it's going to be amazing. Um, she's about eighty one now. Really? I would say. <gasps> yeah, that is actually a yeah. lot older than I thought. I think because eighty one. Yeah, because she's born. She was born in nineteen thirty six. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I think I just had this like glow association of the eighties, and so I was thinking that she would be maybe in her 60s or something now. Well, wrestling, women's wrestling is actually much older than perhaps you may think it is. Well, obviously. I think we just established Yeah, so, I mean, well, wrestling... Okay, first of all, before we start talking about Irma herself, let's have a little bit of a think about wrestling in general. So I think it's useful to have some context. Yeah, so wrestling is obviously something that's been around for uh, forever. Greco-Roman, Greco-Roman wrestling um, was... Um, obviously around in the Greco-Roman times. In the times. Greco-Roman times. And that was lots, a long times ago. Lots of other cultures, of course, had wrestling mm. of, you know, their own style. And interestingly enough, uh-huh. women's, so the Women's World Championship Wrestling was the first professional um, women's singles wrestling title, right? It's older than the men's version. What? So the, no, women's really? ver- the women's version started in the 1890s. 
Wow. This is in America. Started in the 1890s in America. The men's didn't start until 1905. Is that just because it was running under a different name? No. Or something for the no, men? No, no, no. The women's started first. How can that be? It. I don't know how it can be, but it is the truth. I mean, I guess when we think of things like the profess- professional wrestling, which when we're talking about it now, we're talking about it as entertainment. So these people are athletes and what they do is legitimately physically difficult mm. and they are wrestling. They are definitely wrestling, but mm. it's also the kind of wrestling that we're familiar with because it's also scripted wrestling. Soap opera and wrestling. It's soap opera. And yeah. there are storylines and it's rigged, right? It's Yeah. We know who the winner is going to be. Yeah. Let's not pretend because it's entertainment, right? But that doesn't... Doesn't delegitimize what they do. Not in any way, shape or form. Yeah. What they do is still difficult physical stuff, but... Which leads to real injuries and like... Oh, yeah, definitely. And stuff. (laughs) stuff. Yeah, definitely. But so, I mean, in that that terms, it is different to sort of like the wrestling in terms of the Olympics or that kind of competitive wrestling where it where there isn't it's not scripted yeah right so this the wrestling that we're going to be talking about predominantly is the entertainment side and did this entertainment style wrestling have its origins back then as well it yeah it actually kind of did because um some of the first female wrestlers as particularly were circus performers, strong women. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So they, they came out of circuses as strong women, so mm. they had an entertainment background. And the same with the men as well. Like a lot of them were strong men too, and yeah. they went into wrestling. So there was already an element of entertainment caught up in it. But in terms of what we think of now, like when we think of like the WWE, and yeah. we were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago about like in, in the late 1990s when for some reason like – professional wrestling was just enormous. It just exploded. It exploded yeah. in Australia for yeah. some reason. I mean, I suppose it exploded in the world, but it just was a really... Particularly sh- here, I felt like it was a thing that people paid attention to and talked about yeah, regularly. Yeah, like The Rock, Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin. Like What I like to remember that everybody else seems to forget about is the Claymation Celebrity Deathmatch show. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that too. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that show. Yeah. So, I mean... The it- Beastie Boys beat Hanson and... Um, <laughs> Um, I really didn't like that. Oh, really? No. But, I mean, I was, like, 12, so. You're such a Hanson fan. (laughs) Oh, secret shame. Although Lauren's not ashamed of it. It's it's neither a secret nor a shame for Lauren. Anyways. So, in Mexico, female female wrestlers appeared in fights in Mexico sort of in the mid-1930s. But they Mm. were American wrestlers. They were um, American women mm-hmm. because there was actually a ban on women wrestling um, in Mexico for most of the 1940s, which is kind of a bit. <laughs> You're pulling your face. My You're pulling jaw like a face. Your shot literally dropped. Yeah, so it was actually a ban. Um, and in 1942 and 1945, women did wrestle in Mexico, but again, they were American women. So, actually, so American women were allowed to wrestle in Mexico, but yeah. Mexican women were Mexican not allowed women to wrestle. Mexican women weren't allowed in to wrestle. So, yeah, there was a ban. That's interesting. It wasn't actually until the 1950s that Mexican women started wrestling professionally right. in Mexico. So, the popularity of wrestling as an as entertainment had been growing since the 1930s, really. You yeah. know, like really building a fan base. Really really kind of the the very specific 
lucha libre form of Mexican wrestling that involves having the masks. Yep. Because that's, yes. that's such a huge thing that okay. we associate Here with. Here is a Mexican wrestler that I know. Yeah. El Santo. El Santo. When did he come onto the scene? Because um, his mask is like quite iconic. Yeah, so El Santo starting in around about the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah, so Lucha Libre was building that very Mexican style that involves the mask. So wrestling and mascarado, wearing a mask. I said that. That was so... Mascarado? I know. It was so Australian because I was like... Mascarado. En mascarado. Oh, mascarado. That's my Spanish for you. En mascarado. Get your mask on. Um, It's something that we really associate with Mexican wrestling, but... That was actually imported by a promoter again from the US. Really? Yeah, because he saw there was a particular wrestler in the US that used to wear a mask and he thought that that was a good idea, so he brought that into Isn't Mexico. Isn't that interesting as well. because it's totally the opposite association now? Yeah, exactly. We 100% just yeah. associated with it. Well, that's because Mexico, they were the ones they that. They took it and they ran with they it. They ran with it. They yeah. were like, yeah, this mask thing, this is yeah. for us. And that is a really key part of the culture around. Because there's a whole thing about like unmasking your opponents yeah. and like yeah. the shame that comes with that, or also that's the end of your career. You become unmasked yeah. and you, you need wager, to come back as a new, new like, character. You bet on a match. Like if I beat you, then yeah. I'm going to unmask you and yeah. that's going to be the end of your persona as this wrestler. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. And the other thing that they bet on as well is hair. Yes. So you can also bet on having your hair cut off, but you can also have matches where it's like you bet a mask against hair. So, you know, it's like if I win, then yeah. you, you gotta, take your mask off. But yeah. if, you know, if I lose, then you can take my hair off. And it's really, I mean, it's such great entertainment. I have been to the wrestling in Mexico <laughs> and there was a small girl behind me who was like just shouting the word puta a lot. Puta, what does that mean? Whore. Oh, really? She would have been all of like six <laughs> or something. So good. But yes, we've gone off tangent. So come back to the history. Come back to the history. Yeah. All right, let's set this up. So the 1930s really started to become incredibly popular. And yes, you had stars like El Santo who came to the fore. Other stars as well, like the Silver Mask and yeah. Mil Mascaras. These are really iconic luchadors. Yeah. So yeah, as I said, it wasn't until sort of the 1950s that women were able to start wrestling professionally as well. And this is kind of when the first generation of female wrestlers, luchadoras, mm. start to really come to the fore. And one of these first women is Irma. Irma. Our wonderful Irma. So something else to think about in terms of the building of popularity of the wrestling sort of during the 30s and, and 40s, is that something else that happens in the 50s as well is television. Of course. Right. Yeah. So the advent of television. So no longer do you have to necessarily go out to the neighbourhood arena or wait until mm. um, a wrestling match mm. comes to town. You can turn on your television. Yeah, and you watch it right there. But interestingly, and this is another strange little piece of random information, the, the chief mayor or the sort of – Regent, I actually don't know what his official name would have right. been, but like the chief regent mayor chief guy. Chief regent mayor. Yeah, I'm pretty Standard. sure. Um, yeah, of Me- has one. Of Mexico City actually hated wrestling and had no respect or time for it and banned it from television. Wow. And wouldn't let it be screened anymore. So what a party pooper. I know. So it went back off the television, went back off the air for, back a, for, underground. for a period of time. And you could, of course, continue to go and see your neighbourhood fights in the neighbourhood arenas and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, the popularity 
never waned and never ever went away but what this kind of means is that the actual chronology of sort of the history of a lot of fighters gets lost for a really long time okay yeah so it kind of means that a lot of wins and a lot of the chronology isn't sort of properly recorded again until kind of like the 1980s like the band didn't last that long but it wasn't sort of until the 1980s that it again became a proper kind of league that was being recorded and I guess sort of professionally documented again sure yeah so yeah so it's kind of had a had a really interesting history i think wrestling in mexico and the way that it's kind of grown in in fits and starts and it's it's never gone away but it's kind of you know where it sits in society has kind of shifted Mm. depending on these ideas of kind of decency i suppose and this is really really key and becomes really really important when we start talking about our female wrestlers as well of course it does because you know, if we're going to be talking about female wrestlers, if we're going to be talking about strong, physically strong yeah. women, then we're going to be talking about gender yeah. and the patriarchy yeah. and there's no way we can avoid it. <laughs> but let's not avoid it. Let's just delve straight let's into go it. In. Let's go there. It's 1936. Our little Irma is born into the world. Yeah, in Mexico City. It's just south of Mexico City, and she grows up in a circus. Oh, cool. Yeah, her dad was a horseback rider. Yep. And so, yeah, she had a very quiet, unconventional upbringing in that way. And when she was quite young, her father went off on tour with an American circus, and quite soon into that, Uh the money stopped coming back and they never heard from him again. Disappeared. And he pretty much disappeared. Oh, dear. So she didn't have the easiest upbringing because pretty much after that, they were quite poor, really. And in some of the little interviews, and I'm also going to just... As a, a small caveat here. Are you going to tell us that you watch these interviews in Spanish? Yes. I did watch <laughs> I did watch a lot of interviews with Irma in Spanish. And so please forgive me because I've, I've pretty much cobbled, <laughs> cobbled together a lot of today's episode based on my fairly shitty Spanish. <laughs> um, so I've done my best at translating. Oh, better than my Spanish, <laughs> which is non-existent. So I've done my best at translating a lot of interviews with Irma and I've done my best at reading a lot of stuff about her, as I say, predominantly in Spanish. <laughs> so if I'm getting anything wrong, then hey, it's my, the failure of my translation. All these years of studying Spanish, you never knew that this was the moment that it was all leading towards. <laughs> it was all going to come It was all to worth it now. this. Yeah, well, as long as I've got everything right. Yeah. So she's still alive, so I feel like maybe she wants to contact me and <laughs> correct, you. correct me. She is welcome to. <laughs> but from what I kind of gather, it was a quite a difficult upbringing to the point where, you know, often when there wasn't enough food, they'd kind of have to go walk off into the hills and, like, pick prickly pears oh, off the cactus and stuff in oh, order man. to just even have enough food to put on the table. So at a very, very young age, it was actually, I think, one of her neighbours who sort of suggested to her, have you ever thought about the wrestling? Wow, I wonder what makes some... Is that because they knew that they had this association with physical, like, performance in the circus and... Showmanship, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it may well be... May well have been that kind of um, connection that seems like it might be something for her to get involved in. But also, wrestling could actually have been seen by a lot of people as a way out of poverty because Hmm. you could basically make the same amount of money 
in one wrestling match and a wrestling match might last like 15 minutes you know yeah. or maybe longer but yeah. it might be really really short and you can make the same amount in a wrestling match that you could make laboring in a week yeah sure you know yeah. so i think for a lot of people getting into the wrestling and th- this is in the and i'm assuming days, that that means that you're good enough though it's not like no, it's yet. still going to be competitive, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to go and become a wrestler today and yeah. suddenly be booking yeah. wrestling gigs. Like I imagine that you've got to put in the time and the yeah. work to train and yeah. and become talented enough at this to be kind of getting those yeah. amounts, well, right? definitely now. Like definitely now you have, there's – you can't just turn up and be like, I want to be a wrestler. You do have to train. You do have to go – yeah, unfortunately, because Lauren – this is Lauren's new life goal. <laughs> um, that or – ghost tour guide operator (laughs) one of the two so you do obviously have to train and and in you know the wrestling now you can't just turn up and be like hey i want to fight and they're like sure great no worries but back at the sort of the beginning you kind of could you could could turn up and say hey i'll just have a go and they'd be like fine in the ring you go because as i say she was 13 13 when the neighbor suggested that she try oh, out shit. The, I didn't realize she was that young. Yeah, when the neighbor suggested she try out the wrestling. Right. And she was like, "Okay. Right. Why not?" Yeah. So she did. She went down to uh, do a little bit went of training to a local gold's and gym. had <laughs> had her first wrestling match. Wow. How'd it go for her? Really badly. <laughs> Surprisingly, actually. Unsurprisingly, uh, she sucked. Um, and <laughs> They kind of wiped the floor with her. Oh, poor Irma. But that was an early enough sort of... Baby (laughs) Irma. Yeah. But that was an early enough... They probably tipped her upside down and actually mopped the (laughs) floor with her hair. An actual mopping action. I mean, I imagine that's what you do when you want to bully someone inside a wrestling ring. There's so many things you can do to bully people inside wrestling rings. So could you imagine how terrifying, how intimidating that must be as a 13-year-old girl? I mean, I was a big for my age when I was 13, (laughs) so that might have not been quite so terrifying for me. You still would have been a 13-year-old girl, though, and still, life's pretty scary. I was a 13-year-old giantess, though. Yeah, you were an Amazon. You still are an Amazonian Amazon. Amazonian 13-year-old. Still a bit of an Amazon. <laughs> and so even though she gets sort of the shit slapped out of her, she really enjoys it. So she started to train. But the thing is, is that... And the thing is, is that... Sorry. <laughs> are you done? <laughs> yeah. But the thing as well is that, as you can imagine... It was a bit of a sexist kind of environment, mm. and women actually weren't really that welcome. And um, because are women <clears throat> training with men, are they both training together? Yeah, they train in this. Yeah, they train in the same areas. They train together, and there wasn't consistent training available to right. women because obviously, uh, when we think of wrestling, we think it's a very masculine thing mm. to do, right? Mm. And having these women come in is quite threatening and it was quite threatening in the early days is incredibly threatening especially because of when you've got very rigidly defined versions of what masculinity and femininity are yeah definitely and especially when you have that sort of very mexican sense of machismo as well which is and this is a hyper masculine space yeah yeah because it's the wrestling space because it's that fighting luchador space yeah but Women, yeah, so women found it very difficult to get any kind of consistent training and often would just kind of have to try and pick things up for themselves mm. or make it up as they as they went along. There were a few 
men that were willing to train women but for the most part it was very difficult and it wasn't a welcoming space and they're like Irma has a lot of stories herself about the pranks that would be pulled mm. on them things like nailing their shoes to the floor and oh yeah like on, I know like tying the sleeves of their <sighs> outfit into knots tying their pants into knots like one thing was saying Irma was saying about how she just had to throw out a bunch of pants because she couldn't even undo all the oh, stupid shit. knots that were tied That's into so, dumb. so like really Come on, guys. I know really petty bullying yeah against these women because the other thing as well was it wasn't solely that it just threatened this idea of masculinity but it was also accusations of women taking men's jobs yeah and because Women's fights were incredibly popular. They were super popular. And quite often they would be the headline fight. Really? They would be the last fight you would see in a match. And it was also because there were fewer luchadoras, Mm. it was easier for them to get work. Yeah, sure. So they were kind of seen as a threat, a gender threat. But they were also seen as a threat for jobs mm. as well. So, yeah, it was a difficult kind of, um, I, I suppose, kind of environment to be in. But not just in this kind of stupid pranks, that kind of thing, but also overtly sexual threats as yeah. well, as one would imagine. Yeah. So it wasn't an easy place for um, Irma to kind of mm. get her foot in the door and start becoming a wrestler. But I guess with the background that she had and the tenacity that she had, this was something that she was going to stick sure. with. Sure, yeah. At this time there were obviously so, you know, we mentioned this is kind of the, the beginnings of um, luchadoras and there was another female luchadora that was kind of coming to the fore as well called Chabela Romero and she became Irma's arch rival uh-huh. because this is something as well. This is that part of the setting up the characters in the story. And yeah. The- yeah. So in specifically in uh, Lucha Libre you've got – the good guys and the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You've got the heels and the faces. Yeah. So your bad guys. I know uh, what heels are now because of glow. Oh, well, there you go. Sorry. Right. So it's, yeah, your heels are um, <laughs> your your rudos or your um, rudas. If you're yeah. a woman, obviously you're going to be a ruda, which basically kind of translates to like rough, rough. or like kind of your roughies. Yeah, your roughies. So they're the bad guys, yep. basically. They're your villains. Sure. And then you have your technicos. Technicos? Technicos. Is that what they're called? Yeah, the good guys are technicos. Technicos! Yeah. What a great name. Oh, you are so excited That's about it. a good that. name. It is a good name. So you have your technicos and I guess you have your technicas, which basically just means technician. Right? Oh. It basically trans- translates to technician because... Your roughs and your technicians. Well, and the reason for this is because basically like... The good guys are the ones who are supposed to play by the rules. Yeah. And they've got the technique. They're technical. They've got the technique and they play by the rules. The baddies are rough. And the baddies. Ready to rumble. Break the rules, right? They are roughing it up. They're roughing you up. They'll rough up your face. (laughs) Sure. With their heels. I can't believe how excited you are about this. (laughs) So... Yeah, so you've got your goodies and your baddies. Yeah. So this kind of sets it up. So I guess in terms of having to have those storylines and those rivalries, like this was even something that was being built into Irma's career from the very, very yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was she a rough or a techie? She was a, a roughie or a techie. Um, she was a good girl, not, not a villain. But often 
villains would end up being paired up with bad guys because also tag team wrestling mm-hmm. is a huge thing as well. Yep. So you'd get paired up and you'd have like a little duo that yep. fights as well. And sometimes in that duo you'd have a bad guy paired up with a good guy Ooh. and that would kind of change the dynamic as well because it would kind of be like the good guy still trying to fight, you know, and kind of having – disdain for his partner yeah. or you know kind of so there's there's different ways of playing yeah, out yeah, storylines yeah. and how it works and so as i was saying so female wrestling was really quite popular as i said and like quite often they were sort of the i guess they were the draw card and because it was getting so popular in the 1950s there was a u.s wrestler called mildred burke she was actually an older um wrestler she was around sort of i think kind of like the early 1900s. So Whoa. she would have been quite a bit older at this stage. Um, and she put together a troupe of um, American and Mexican wrestlers, female wrestlers, and took them to Japan. Because So this is something else as well. Lucha Liberate is massive in Japan. Wow. It's huge in Japan. There's a few other countries as well. Like I think it's pretty popular in Indonesia. Like there's a few other places yeah. that are – and like Puerto Rico and, you know, places that seem a little bit more logical than, yeah, yeah. than um, Japan. Japan. But even the fight I went to, there were a couple of Japanese fighters yeah. in that. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite big. And so uh, touring kind of became part of Irma's life. Yep. Touring around to fight basically all around the world. So in terms of, I suppose, professional sports for women, this is really one of the few sports that women could actually make a full-time career Mm. in professionally. And travel. And travel as an athlete. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think in the 50s, what else existed that would allow you that kind of professionalism and freedom and respect? I don't know. Tennis? Yeah, tennis maybe. And uh, swimming? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't, Probably I, not. I, I don't, don't know. know. But, I mean, really, when you think about it, it is one of the few sports yeah. that a woman could actually have a full-time professional career and there's, in. And you know what? Not that many sports now that women can have full-time professional careers in. They're still wrestling. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's actually quite amazing. Yeah, really. And it really is, actually. So when we're talking about professional success, so she's traveling, she's touring, how much money is she actually making? I mean, is it enough to live on? Is it just yeah, a barely scraping yeah. by kind no, of a professional wage? To, or a, is it like she's living the high life kind of? Well, I don't know about the high life. But it's decent. It's yeah, and yeah. as I say, like it's more money than you're going to make. Yeah, sure. Doing in a lot of job. other yeah. professions, and also what happened a little bit later in her life as well. So, so just as a quick little segue, we should also talk about Lucha Libre films. Yeah. So. Yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. Are we're we going, going there that. now? Yeah, we're we going, going there right now. We'll go there now. Okay, good. Okay. I've been waiting for this for a really long time. Yeah. So you mentioned... I've been waiting for this all episode. Go on. I think you say all my life. All my life. Probably I didn't know that I was waiting for my whole life until today. But... So um, (laughs) you mentioned El Santo before. El Santo. And El Santo, which basically means the saint. Yep. In case that wasn't obvious. uh, (laughs) He was really the first icon of... Sure. Lucha Libre. And he had a very iconic mask, like a white... Silver. Silver. Silver mask. Silver mask. And he actually... So, yeah, we were saying that he rose to 
prominence in sort of the 30s, 40s. But then in the 50s, he exploded as a movie star. Mm. So Lucha Libre films became really, really popular. And, you know, we can talk a bit about sort of exploitation yeah. films. True. So this is kind of like this idea of like these really kind of quite B-grade yeah. horror film. The, yeah, the proper 50s B-grade, cheesy, corny. Yes, exactly. Aliens from Mars. Yeah, yeah. I, aliens from Mars, that's the lamest thing that I could come up with. <laughs> but like versus like, the Aztec. Vampire zombies from outer space versus the yes. Aztec queen of. Yeah. Of what, Venus. <laughs> what a mashup. Yeah. So, yeah, these films were really quite popular. And this is also where the Blue Demon is another really, mm-hmm. really famous Lucha Libre as well. And he also um, starred in a lot of these films. I've seen quite a few of these films. They're fucking excellent. <laughs> um, we also actually own some posters, like yeah. legitimate, genuine posters that are not hanging on the wall at the moment. They need to be framed. Even though you pointed around your house. I did, but none of them I are was hanging. looking around like, I don't no. see them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so these kind of films became really quite popular. And there were luchadora films yes. as well so like as you can imagine the standard sort of film is like oh big mus- muscly el santo saving the day saving you know some beautiful woman through his amazing wrestling skills through his amazing wrestling skills and i mean this really was kind of the standard sort of story but there was also the luchadora wrestling films and these are really interesting because Instead of having El Santo or Blue Demon as sort of the heroes saving the day and solving the crime, the lady wrestlers became yeah. the heroines. And it's like there's women wrestlers versus the Doctor of Doom. Yeah. And women wrestlers versus the Aztec mummy. Yeah, yeah, which is a great film. It has a very abrupt ending, though. <laughs> That's... That's the only floor in that. The only floor in that. Otherwise, it's flawless. No, that's not true. Uh, But it does have a really abrupt ending. Anyway, these films, like these particular... The Night of the Bloody Apes. Yeah, that's a bit later, though. That's a different... That's that's... that's a remake of Women Wrestlers versus the Doctor of Doom. Yeah, yeah. And um, has some very questionable surgery scenes in it. Yeah. Uh, Where, what, what, how did they feel? that? And the context of... The Luchadora in that film doesn't really any longer make sense because they kind of removed all of her, uh, like, point of being in the film. And so instead it's just these horrifically graphic, violent scenes interspersed with a Luchadora wrestling match, which is taking place in a wrestling ring. The wrestling doesn't even take place on the streets where the ape ape man is cutting loose, murdering and raping everyone in sight. You're overthinking this film. I just, I don't understand why they, they adapted the film, but, and they kept both the Luchadora and the ape man but separated their stories for some reason. <laughs> well, so even in these like early original films, you would you'd have the storyline and you would definitely have some brawling happening mm. in it, but you would usually have a, a wrestling match occur as well in a wrestling ring. Yeah. So in these Luchadora films, this th- this is what happened. You'd have your plot line, but there'd also be some reason why we, there would just be standard wrestling and get too. To the wrestling and ring. you'd get into the wrestling so ring. Weird. Whether it be because, you know, like in The Lady Wrestlers versus The Aztec Mummy, the sort of the idea is that you we're going to find out who wins based on this wrestling match, you know, like who, right. who gets to keep this part of the codex, whatever. <laughs> um, 
and some <laughs> really it's so great and there's such great racial stereotyping as no. well so oh, amazing anyways um <laughs> Really terrific films. I highly recommend you look them up. But the interesting thing was that the luchadoras who start, so unlike El Santo and Blue Demon, who were legitimate wrestlers and who originally actually... They had their careers originally in wrestling. Yep, El Santo, for one, actually didn't want to be in films to begin with because he thought it was going to ruin his wrestling career. Mm -hmm. took him a while to realise that that was not what was going to happen. It's going to do the opposite. But the the stars of these particular films are quite well-known as well. Lorena Velasquez plays... uh, this character, Gloria Venus. Um, Gloria Venus. Yeah. Oh, shit, yes. A woman called Elizabeth Campbell who was yes, actually... Yes, I kept seeing her name pop up. Yeah, she was actually an American actress. I wondered um, that. She stars as another character called Golden Ruby. Golden Ruby. Elizabeth Campbell. And Gloria Venus. Pretty good, yeah. Elizabeth Campbell, funnily enough, she's an interesting person. She totally disappeared off the face of the planet after this like legit disappeared like in the of, 60s like she just literally was, disappeared not not from the career scene but legit just, no one knows what happened no to her. one really knows what happened oh, to her. she was gonna go back to america and try and have a film career there and but she then she just never drops showed off. off yeah i don't know oh fuck anyway oh so, i don't feel good about what probably happened to <laughs> i'm sure somebody people. somewhere knows but neither of these both of these women were actresses right Okay. So now they were not wrestlers. They're not wrestlers. They perform a little bit of wrestling in the films, but they're Alison Breeze of the wrestling world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They were not actual wrestlers. Yeah. And this is a very interesting thing. So in these Luchadora films, these two women play very smart, clever characters who they're the ones who figure out what needs to be done next. They're their partners tend to be much dumber than mm-hmm. them. They're smarter than the men. Yep. They are the ones that are fighting crime and figuring out what ha- has to happen. But they are still very beautiful, buxom, yeah. oh, I was gonna say they're, 60s sex kitten they're type They're really women. sexualized. They are. Yeah. And they're very – and so even though we have this kind of like empowerment of the fact that mm. they're the ones getting shit done and they're – tough women yeah they're still being looked at through this kind of male gaze yeah you know you know and it's interesting that in the remake of women wrestlers versus the doctor of doom which became the night of the bloody apes that they remove they instead have her boyfriend it's her boyfriend or her husband and he's a police officer and he's the one who figures it all out which is why her whole plot about being a luchadora no longer makes sense because she's no longer the one who's solving the crime she's Mm. not the one anymore who's got the smarts she's just like a wrestler yeah. who happens to put another woman wrestler in hospital and that's the end that, of and that woman has a part in this tra- weird transplant that takes place to create the ape anyway anyway <laughs> my point is it's interesting that later they removed that agency yeah because quite early on it is the women mm. in these early films in these earlier versions it is kind of this strange mix of empowerment, but sexualization still, as well. They're sexualized. Are they still naked all the time? Because that's no, another thing no, that happens in no. the exploitation late films of the later decade is that they are they don't just kind of have this power taken away. They're no longer the ones who are solving the crimes, but they are also appearing nude 
all the time. Yeah. So there's a hypersexualization and a reduction in their ability to solve the actual crimes yeah, and do the things. Which is actually completely undoing Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, these early films aren't, you know, they're not completely unproblematic in their depiction because, yes, these the the stars aren't actually because so the thing is is that they're still the very kind of buxom uh, but thin beautiful characters but because so as we mentioned in the films there's like the the crime solving but then there's always like going to be a section where we actually have some fighting in a wrestling mm-hmm. ring as well and so Irma herself was in Right. Was in these films, and she was in the film uh, in these films as the person that they're fighting in the ring. She's not the main character, not the main character. But as you can see, like the clear difference is, is that her physical, her physicality is entirely That's different. That's what I was just going to ask. She's yeah. athletic. She's big as well. She's like a big, bulky yeah. woman. She's got muscles on her. She's got muscles on her, and she's a big, big woman, and she is completely different to the starlet women yeah. who were actresses pretending to be Were other fighters. luchadora women, the real wrestlers of the period, were they sexualized in any way, or were they all kinds of... Because I think when we think of a lot of women wrestlers now, there's sort of a combination of of very fit athletic muscular women but at the same time they are they're sexy still you know like they definitely play on their sexuality a lot but they're not they're not petite tiny little nothing women you know they yeah. are full-bodied yeah. athletes yeah but still sexy yeah is there that kind of a thing happening at the same time period were they sexualized in any way like that yeah so i think they were still seen as um quite sexy because the other thing as well is that in order to wrestle you can't wear like a big baggy dress or whatever so you know the actual the clothing that they're wearing is revealing simply by necessity Mm. really because they have to be able to grapple skin and actually Mm. you know the men are shirtless you know it's the same thing with the men spandex it's spandex and the men are just as just as naked as the women because it's kind of the necessity of the of the sport so yes there is kind of an inevitable sexualization that comes with that and some luchadoras do play up to that sexual sort of role. Other luchadoras don't, and they don't need to. Yeah. And I and I think that they're not. It's not like the less sexy luchadoras are less popular. No, no, because it's it's. I mean, it's it's really just about the character that's portrayed, and that character doesn't have to be mm. a sexy character. Irma was a strong, fierce, uh, tough, bold kind of of. Of fighter, and so in these films where she appears, she is completely and utterly different to the actresses that are playing mm. luchadoras. Because mm. yeah, so it's kind of this strange thing of having these empowered characters, but there's still a male gaze it's, putting them yeah, in it's those. Still for the screen, it's, it's still yeah. for that that yeah particular yeah. way of looking yeah. at them. Yeah, and so I mean, she was in a couple of these films and. Her career was was massive. She was incredibly popular and one of just the the absolute icons of female wrestling. And so she also, in the sort of the 1950s, she became engaged. But her fiancé told her he didn't want her to wrestle anymore. Because I was going to ask, because quite often luchadoras um, and I guess – Luchadors as well are part of like wrestling dynasties. Yeah, there's whole families of wrestlers, and so the the 
fathers and sons yeah. and they marry other wrestlers and yeah. they have children who go yeah. on to be wrestlers. So he's obviously not a part of this. No, scene. and it's and it's quite quite often it's easier to get a job wrestling. You know, it's easier to yeah. get into it if you come in from a family. Yeah, and this nothing does, wrong with a bit of nepotism. Eh? No, and this <laughs> does this does play into um, Irma's life mm. later on. But at this stage, her fiance is like, "No, I don't want you to fight. I want you out of the ring Boo. until after we're married." And she's oh. like. Oh, okay. So then she's sure. allowed to go back? Yeah. That's interesting. So, That's weird. Um, strange. But what she kind of says is she says, all right, honey, all right, darling, let's do that. Now, up until this stage, Irma has always wrestled without a mask. Oh. That's been her choice. So, um, oh, I see, I see. So what happens now is she thinks to herself, you know what? If I just wear a mask... I'm going to wear a mask. I can probably just keep wrestling. Yeah, good on you. So she's she's looking around for what kind of character she could be, you know, because now she can wear a mask, she can be anything she likes. And so she she thinks... The world of masquerade. You know, that's right, the possibilities. So she comes up with a few things that she doesn't think quite right, like, um, you know... White flower and no, 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 sorry, like 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 black black flower and like pink rose or like shit names. Yeah, the shit names. And um, so she's like, no, none of these are good. None of these are right. And then she's like, ah, you know what name would be good? The grammarian. Yes, she thinks that, but she doesn't go with it. She thinks to herself, you know what would be great? Would be. The Bride of El Santo. Oh, shit. That'd be a good one. That is a good one. La like no- the Bride of, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. La Novia del Santo. The Bride of Santo. Bride of Santo. So she asked Santo. The Bride of the Saint. She, she asked San- El Santo if he'd be all right with that. Oh, yeah. Because that's the polite thing to do. Yeah. And El Santo's like, yeah, sure, no worries. Go for it. So for good. seven months... Only for a seven-month period. For her engagement. For her engagement. This weird, arbitrary period of time that her fiancé has said, no, don't don't leading up to the wedding. No, no fights. No fights. For some reason. Yeah. So in this seven-month period of time. Maybe he was hoping that she'd forget that she loves wrestling. And that afterwards. And just not go back to it. Just not bother with it. Or he'd knock her up by then. Yeah, maybe. So for this period of time, she wrestles as La Novia del Santo. Excellent. And I um, admire your wits <laughs> exactly so clever and then they get married and she's like all right don't <laughs> but she doesn't actually marry el santo no she marries no shit boyfriend yeah she's never been married to no she's actually not <laughs> married to el santo at all she's just simply asked she if she could marry el santo well maybe but i think he was already married oh. so el santo is a really interesting character just in himself um he Never took his mask off ever. Like he took he it really serious. He was buried in his mask. He was buried in his mask. Yeah. He used to um, fly on a separate plane to all of his um, entourage, so that when he had to go through um, security and take his mask off to show his face, <gasps> his entourage wouldn't see so his face. So literally, nobody knew who he was. Yeah, he took his mask off. I think like once or twice. Oh my god! But like publicly. But he's like Superman. For pretty much the majority he of his was, entire life, he wore that mask. He's Clark Kent. Yeah. And, and he was, Superman. And, you, and yeah. no one else, everybody else works at the Daily Planet. Yeah. And like wow. you say, he was he was buried in his mask. Whoa. This is a very serious, very, very serious stuff. But anyway, so she she got to be his bride for a yeah. short period of time. And then she actually legitimately became someone else's bride. why shit boyfriend was like, okay with her going back to wrestling after that well because i think now you're married it's a bit more respectable okay 
I, I'm not entirely sure why it's more respectable once you're married, I but... Guess, yeah, I mean, maybe. So she gives up the name La Novia del Santo. Yep. And marries her husband and goes back to being Irma. Interestingly, so I mentioned Rudos and Rudos. I mentioned Rudos yeah. and Technicos. I didn't mention another kind of wrestler called an exotico. Oh, exotico. Exoticos are... That sounds exotic. Yeah. So exoticos are basically wrestlers in drag, right? So this started in the 1940s. I've literally never heard of this. Why? Yeah. So in the 1940s it started and it started as a bit of entertainment, like, you know, our hilarious... Oh, yeah, camp. so funny. So oh, funny camp luchadors, right? So it didn't actually really become a thing until the 1980s where it really did represent the person. Like became a legitimate thing. Legitimate yeah. thing yeah. where um, it wasn't just a hilarious act anymore. Like, it, yeah. it's, you know, but it was still played up for that. Yeah. But it did actually end up representing those particular individuals wow. who were actually homosexual wow. as well. That's um, incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a really – exoticos are a really interesting sort of thing because Yes, they've got that campy kind of comedy about them, Mm -hmm. but they also allow that homosexuality to enter into that space. Interesting kind of disruption to the typically masculine space of the wrestling ring, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was when Irma gave up the name La Novia del Santo, an exotico thought to himself, I'm going to. I'm going to do that. Oh, shit. And That's he amazing. began wrestling as La Novia del Santo. That's fucking amazing. But El what? Santo fucking... Not okay with that. Was not okay with that. Mm. And he kiboshed that pretty quickly. Oh, and so, no. That's such a no. shame. No. That would have so, been amazing. He wouldn't have anything to do with that. So that oh, was, that was put to bed. So in 1957, Irma gives birth to a daughter. Oh. Who's also called Irma. Yep. And poor... Irma Jr., who will come to know as Irma Aguilar, mm-hmm. didn't see much of her mother, Irma Gonzalez, um, when she was a girl because Irma was always off traveling. Wrestling. And she was basically, so I don't actually really know what happened to Irma's husband. She kind of recounts having quite a lonely childhood because her mother was never mm. around. And she really missed her and she wanted to be with her all the time. And she kind of had these little stories about how her mum would say, oh, she's just going down to the shops and then she'd disappear for months and never oh come back. Oh, my God, months? Yeah, like she'd go on a tour of Japan. She'd be oh like, man. oh, I'm just going out to the park. <gasps> Oh, and then no. she'd actually be gone for two months to Japan or oh, whatever. No. Um, but kind of just to, you know, these little lies that she'd tell yeah. her to kind of avoid the the arguments or the fights or the yeah, pain yeah. of the separation. And how – she develop, I think, quite significant trust issues if, if somebody constantly continually yes. told you, just pop it out of the shop, love. Yeah, and then doesn't come you back for – You want an ice cream? Yeah. yeah. And two months later, yeah. it's ice cream. You know, and she would say to her that there was no kind of, you know, she wanted to go with her mum all the time. She's like, can I come with you? And she's like, well, you can't unless you're a wrestler, you know, like mm. unless that can pay your way. You know, I can't just have a hanging a hanger on a child on tour. <laughs> like, you know, it diff- a, oh, but yeah. it's difficult, you know. She of was course, a- of course. I mean, especially <clears throat> the expense of traveling back then. Yeah. And it's- so, uh, as I say, I don't really know what happened to her husband. But, uh, I mean, at this point we can assume she's like a single mother. In yeah. That kind of, so, I mean, it's not going to be easy to, to do that. It's not going to be easy no matter what. It's not going to no. be easy to take her with her. And I imagine it's also not easy to leave her at home. But yeah. maybe being a bit more upfront about it would have been 
baby maybe good <laughs> but so what what her daughter decides to do she decides she's that she's gonna become a wrestler too so she can join mom well yeah if all she yeah. can the only way she can be with mom is to become a wrestler she'll she's become, become a, a wrestler. wrestler so she starts training while Irma's away how old was she i'm very young Child. i'm probably the same age as yeah. her mom so probably like early teens yeah in her very first bout wrestling bout she is up against pitted up against none other than her mother's old arch rival <gasps> Chabela Romero. Oh, my God. So guess what happens? She loses of horrendously. Of course she, she does. She just fucking loses so badly. <laughs> but when her mum comes home, she's like, hey, mum. Guess what? Guess what I've done? I've fought your old arch nemesis and I'm going to oh, be a wrestler. I'm going to be a wrestler. And Irma's like, yeah, Great. let's do it. They become... A tag team double. Fuck yes! They become a mother-daughter, mother-daughter duo wrestlers. Duo. And they go on to win the world championships for tag team. Fuck yes! And the Mexican National Women's Tag Team Championships. Irma was like the Mexican National Women's Champion like four times or something. She was the world women the world women's champion twice. <laughs> like That's amazing. I wonder if my mum will join wrestling with me. And I think <laughs> she will. Yeah, will you become a wrestling duo? Be like, I don't have a very good chance of that happening. See, I'd like to be a wrestler, but I don't want to have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a bad guy because I don't have to be technical. Then I don't have to do much of the actual tricks. Yeah, I can just like play up being a bad guy, you and I feel that good bad guy. Think that suits me. I think that's your yeah, personality. You I'm get pretty to be sure. Bad guy. I think that would suit me best. I just get to be the passive aggressive person in the corner <laughs> who's not really totally brave enough to be to fully commit to being a bad guy but yeah. is just quietly resentful of everybody yeah i like that <laughs> passive aggressive so yeah they become like a, a tag team duo also as a side note irma gonzalez also started cutting her own records <laughs> just so you know um <laughs> She wrote. Oh and, shit! Yeah. Yeah. She it's wrote. It keeps getting better. <laughs> she wrote and sang um, a whole bunch of songs, and she just like cut her own records. Oh my god! Yeah, she was pretty amazing. So, so she, she become a pop star as well. Well, she. I don't think she was necessarily a pop star. Or is it like how the how the gorgeous ladies of wrestling wrestling used to rap? No, it's not rapping. It's Every not episode, rapping. no, and they rap. There's actually a short little film in which she sings one of her songs which is called like mandilon which is basically like a word for like a man who gets bossed around by his wife oh, like shit. yeah it's great it's just such a great song <laughs> so yeah she she kind of had this career as a singer as well and as i said she's still around today and she's in her 80s and she still teaches wrestling like she's a coach she's Good a trainer a wrestling Fuck trainer yeah. That's so amazing. yeah, she's a she's a pretty spectacular woman, and I think she's a a really interesting figure to sort of have helped helped us weave our way through the history yeah. of luchadoras. I mean, they're very interesting to sort of think about this position of women in this kind of sport as sort of, I guess, sort of like somewhat indecent is maybe mm. the word that I want to think about, you know, and deviant, definitely yep. deviant in this kind of world that we associate with this very masculine sort of sport, but still also being this very kind of empowered sort of women that dem- still demand respect because they can whip your fucking ass. Totally. Because as we said, even though, um, you know, even though it's sort of plotted out storylines of fighting, it's still an incredibly physical, athletic sport. Genuine athletes. What they're doing is genuinely 
um, amazing, a physical strain, yeah. and yeah, like the risk of injury and is imagine real. How many hours and hours and hours you train a day. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't just turn up in the ring. You, it's no. you know, you need to choreograph these sorts of things. Yeah. You need to be so careful with them. And the thing is, is like, who cares if it's scripted? It's, yeah, it's entertainment. That's right. You know, it's entertainment, and it's still physical prowess in yeah. that ring. Well, that's kind of how I. F- I mean, so this is the reason why I loved Glow, right? Because watching it. I felt this amazing kind of positivity and empowerment and like a a fuck yes attitude, you know. It's a really different kind of a feminist experience to have having that strength and that power and still being feminine but also being sexy and being just really fucking powerful. It's it's a really positive way of of thinking about being a woman. And that was what I really loved about watching that show. And that's what I'm be- beginning to really love as I'm discovering this strange, unexpected passion for <laughs> women's wrestling. Yeah. Because it's totally about tapping into that just like Amazonian power mm. that I find really amazing and that it can take place in a masculine space but still doesn't at all feel like a masculine thing to be doing it feels like a feminine thing still yeah and that's something i think is really incredible that we can bring this feminine power in this into this masculine space and show this other kind of way of being empowered that is really positive and fun Mm -hmm. it's really fun it is really fun but it's still it's still a really problematic space yes and there's a a short film about a particular contemporary um luchadora at i watched that and there's a really brief little part of that where it's called the plight of the female lucha Libre star by the way if anyone wants to look it up you can watch it online there's one real little moment in there that i think still kind of suggests just just exactly how this functions in Mexican society where one of the male luchadors uh, hits another male luchador and he says, that's how I hit my wife. Yeah. And yeah. everyone laughs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is something that's, you know, still kind of shows us that, yes, of course, we can look and talk about this as empowering for women and it is a space in which it is, but still the gender issue there yeah, is that's, enormous. Uh, yeah. And her ex-husband had one of her children taken from her because of this because being her she profession. was a because wrestler. she's a luchadora and does that make her fit to be that's right a, a mother yeah. if she's so there's a lot of a issues fighter. that are ongoing so i think it's just a really really interesting space to see how ideas about femininity play out totally in a world that is is so stock standardly a, a masculine concept and how women function in that, how they succeed in functioning in that, but mm. then still where those gaps are that really show the inequality that mm-hmm. still exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't even I don't even know enough to get into talking about the you know what disparity there might be in pay rates. Yeah. For female luchadoras versus yeah. male luchadoras. Yeah. I mean, I don't have enough knowledge about that sort of stuff. But what I do know is that it is fucking entertaining. Yes, it I is. I know that much. I know that going to uh, Lucha Libre in um, Mexico City was uh, such a highlight of my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Seriously. 
and I and yeah, so I do I do actually think that looking at these sort of stories of early women who carved out a niche in this incredibly yeah. masculine yeah. world. They made it their own. I mean, that's amazing. It is. That's totally. an amazing story. Totally. Like someone like Irma Gonzalez is a, a total heroine. Absolutely. Yeah. So that So that does that bring us to the end? I of this believe it does. I, I really enjoyed this one. There it's, was a lot, so much to talk about. It's quite late at night now. We started <laughs> this, we started recording a long time ago. Editing, this is going to be super fun. But there was a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. But I think a couple of the takeaway things from this is, A, get online and watch a bunch of lady wrestling. Definitely. B, get online. Oh, it's all about getting online. Get on <laughs> online and watch a bunch of early luchador B-grade horror films. Or Luchadora. Or Luchadora. B-grade horror films. So great. Yeah. Today was the first time I spent a lot of time properly going through with the Luchadoras. I've spent a little bit of time watching the original Glow Ladies wrestling online, but this is the first time I've delved into Mexican territory. Yeah. And I have not regretted a single second of it. So jump online and check it out. It's really fun. So, yeah, make sure you jump online as well to give us some reviews. Yeah, because our competition will be closing on Sunday the 3rd of September at midnight Australian Central Standard Time. Yep, so as I say, figure that out for yourself for your own time zone. Win some merchandise. You can. So that's to leave your review on iTunes. That's That's specifically the competition is for iTunes reviews. But of course, there are other places you can listen to us as well. So you can also follow us on Twitter. We are at DeviantWomen or you can like us on Facebook. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher and TuneIn and SoundCloud. And of course, we are on Patreon. So if you'd like to jump online, you'll be able to find our blooper reel. We also have different tiers with different levels of merch that we will send you for your support. We have our Etsy store as well. So if you just want to straight out buy a shirt or a pin, you can just get online and do that there. And I think that that brings us to the end. So once again, thank you so much for joining us today as we've delved into this amazing world of Mexican wrestling. I'm holding my arm out like it's an announcement, but it's just because I'm really excited about it. And a big thank you as always to India Hui for the music. And to Brendan Davies for the sound. And we will see everybody next time. Bye. See ya.